Welcome to the Flipping Real Estate Like the Pros podcast. Here you'll learn everything you need to know to be a successful real estate entrepreneur and achieve the financial freedom you've always wanted. We talk with real experts about their experiences, their accomplishments, and more importantly, how you can learn from their mistakes so you can jumpstart your business and fortify your strategic alliances. There's no BS, no fluff, zero guru talk, just real real estate knowledge. Let's get started. All right, what's up, Alliance? Greg is back here with you guys on Flipping Real Estate Like the Pros. And today I have with you, as usual, awesome guest. Today I have with me Kasim Aslam. It's Kasim as in awesome, right? That's right. You did it. Awesome. And then we, <laughs> and I also have Greg Bilbro. These guys are with GeoFlip, and they're going to talk to you guys a little bit about what they do, why they do it, how they do it, and why you should really follow what they're doing when it comes to marketing. Uh, this podcast is going to be very heavy on the marketing side, especially on going after pay-per-click advertising. So guys, take it away. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. Kasim, you go first because I uh, said so. <laughs> yeah, me and, uh, me and Greg are uh, uh, business soulmates is the way that I would put it. It's, it's an interesting marriage and merger because I'm the, the marketing guy and he's the real estate guy. And um, it kind of makes us the perfect real estate marketing guys. Uh, my background's in digital marketing. I've been doing it 12 years. Just celebrated my 12th year, actually, June of 2006. I started my first agency. Focused mostly on uh, pay-per-click advertising. My agency's in the top 3% of all Google partners in the world for performance and customer care, which means that we're assassins. I'm also very humble. Um, <laughs> yeah, and Greg, Greg was a client of mine first, which I think is interesting. And maybe we can get into that story. Maybe we, 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 we can. I don't know. But is that, is that a good intro? How did I sound? That's good. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I had known Kasim for, I think, around the last 10 or 12 years. He was a buddy and just referred to me as a, as a you know, kind of one of our um, uh, intermediary business buddies, kind of a, a mentor of Kasim's and to some degree mine, and uh, had known him for some years and knew he ran a successful shop. And during those five or six years that he was my friend and not partner, um, I was wholesaling and doing everything I could to do to figure out uh, how to stay competitive in Phoenix, Arizona. I live in Scottsdale, which... For listeners, that's basically the center of Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix is a super competitive market, um, and I, I somewhat had a, a bit of an epiphany. I was not really good at marketing. I, I recognized that, and as I made the transition from the buy, fix, and flip model, which is capital intense and construction intense, both things I can do, both things that just uh, gave me a lot of stress, as I made that transition into wholesale, I just started thinking there has to be a better way uh, and, and maybe not with me. And so I just started doing some thinking and some soul searching and approached Kasim one day and basically explained him what I was doing, uh, which was essentially direct mail and bandit signs for the fix and flip uh, wholesale model. So I had to explain all of that to him. He's a super smart guy because he's a digital marketing expert. He's done marketing for, I don't know, probably hundreds of other uh, professionals, doctors, dentists, lawyers, plumbers, you know, the whole nine yards. So he picks up on things super duper quick. So inside one day, I basically explained him what we what I'm doing and why I'm frustrated at it, and uh, I asked if he could beat me at what I do with regard to marketing efficiency, such that there would be some extra, hopefully, dollars left over at the end of the day where we could eventually uh, pay him for his efforts. And because he was a friend uh, and believed in my ability to do it, and also more, maybe more importantly, his ability to do it, uh, on a handshake and a high five. Uh, there we went. And that was about maybe, um, I think, five or so years ago. And we spent about eight grand and eight months in the pilot project. 
And just to paint some context, and then I'll pause in just a sec. Custom is just really, truly a genius. He really is that good. I'm not pulling any punches. I, I make jokes that he's my Michael Jordan, so of course I'm going to win the game. He's just done it over and over and over in a bunch of different ways, in a bunch of different timelines, with a bunch of different clients. So he consistently um, delivers results that I just don't see anybody else to do. So I was really excited about our ability to do this. But it still took us eight months to get our first successful, profitable deal such that we were then in the black. Now, we did approach it very cautiously, and we don't do it that way now because we actually have tons and tons of, of, of abilities and knowledge and skills and SOP. But it's still, the learning curve was still $8,000 and eight months of uh, testing and tweaking and trying. And then in the eighth month, we were both ready to pull out our hair uh, but lo and behold, the phone rang, a deal in eight, zip code 85032 rang. I went over there, did an assignment for exactly $8,000, which was exactly what we were out of pocket in eight months. And that day from there forward, we've been in black. Fantastic. So Kasim, you really weren't really the real estate guy. So Bill, bro, how did you get introduced to real estate in the first place? Um, right out of college, I think I graduated 2000. I had a degree in biochemistry and um, I actually had a three degrees, one in biology, uh, one in chemistry, and then a minor in biochemistry, which is just, uh, you know, just a vast amount of knowledge in an area that doesn't matter really to almost anybody on planet earth, except for biochemists. I was trying to get into medical school, but what they did not tell me is they don't let white males who have a B plus average in the medical school. I found that out after my second failed attempt at trying to get in beating down the door. So after that did not work uh, out well, really at all. And it was frustrating, embarrassing, and irritating. In between my second application to medical school, I got picked up by a Fortune 100 company and became a fee-based financial planner and realized that that entire market and that entire business model, I don't want to disparage it too much because I'm sure there are some Series 7 licensed stockbrokers and fee-based financial planners and registered investment advisors and chartered financial consultants and all those other jazz, but it is a total sham as far as I can tell. <laughs> and it just is not what it is set out to be. So I kind of ran away from the financial services industry really without any hesitation. Like when I was done, I was done. And then I went into trying to be an entrepreneur and flipping businesses. In 2007, I flipped two um, tanning salons and started a flooring business. And in 2008, I hired my first real estate coach because uh, I just saw real estate was a big deal and it was everywhere and it was around me. And I live in a very heavy real estate town. In Phoenix, Arizona, I mean everybody is either directly or indirectly related to a real estate trade. It's just very true. So I was just swimming in the same waters as everybody else and uh, went into real estate in 2008 and started flipping in 2009. Awesome. So Kasim, you're the internet marketing guy. How did you get introduced to internet marketing? And before you answer that, I hope you guys know that if you were listening, that if you think you're a wholesaler and you're in real estate, you're wrong. You're actually in marketing. So pay close attention to, to what Cossum has to say here, guys. Yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a brown guy. So medical schools are beating my door down. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even have pre-med degrees. They just wanted me. No, um, here's my joke. And it's actually, it's an honest joke. Like most jokes are all marketers are failures. And I really mean that if you ever take inventory of everybody who owns a digital marketing agency and you ask them the question, you just ask me what you will find is it's a bunch of guys that failed at other businesses, oftentimes many other businesses like I did. And I kind of figure out along the way 
I'm not good at a whole lot of things, really meaning I'm bad at just about everything. But the one thing that stuck out to me that was, that was just a standout for most of the organizations I was involved in before they went up in flames was kind of the, the, the IT digital marketing end of it. And so I, I kind of fell backwards into it, to be honest with you, because I failed at everything else. And marketing in a really interesting way is about failure. You need to fail forward to steal the term from somebody smarter than me. And people that aren't comfortable with failure have a really hard time with marketing because you are literally failing all of the time. You, you deploy, and that deployment is a test. And it doesn't matter what you do, a direct mail or a PPC, it does not matter. You push it out into the ecosystem, and I promise you the very first time it fails. But now here's the really important part. This is the linchpin. You learn something from it. And if you don't learn something from it, then you suck at life and stop marketing. Um, you take what you learn from it, and you uh, distill that and then you try again and you do that a hundred thousand times and congratulations, you're a digital marketer. So I, I, I kind of fell backwards into it because I had some businesses fail and, and had nothing but a laptop to go off of. And then I just, I fell in love with it, man. It's kind of like the greatest gig in the world because it, it feels a little bit like being a magician, to be honest with you, more so just based off of, of my proficiency and, and um, some of what we're able to do. But I, is that an effective answer to your question, Greg? That's perfect. So guys, tell us a little bit about how GeoFlip really kind of came together and what exactly it does. Um, Kass, I'll, uh, I'll take this one. So uh, when, we, when we did our little handshake and high five and, and did eight months of learning curve, a bunch of, of, of bells and whistles went off, I think, to both of us. But we were at the very beginning, the forefront of what is now a five-year kind of run at uh, constantly getting better and constantly improving. Um, in Phoenix, Arizona, we developed our marketing system. Uh, and mind you, I became a one-trick pony. I abandoned the direct mail bandit signs and just said, you know, forget everything. This is what I'm going to do. I've got Michael Jordan on my team, and I believe in him and myself. I also knew that five years ago, nobody was doing what we were doing, which is digital marketing. I mean, I had some people in the space who I looked up to and still do to this day. Um, and at that time, numerous people said, don't do that. It doesn't work. It can't work. It won't work. It's not going to work. You know, you're just trying to run away from tried and true methods. And they were not wrong. I mean, it's what's interesting about being an entrepreneur is you have to be able to filter advice from people that you look up to and pick and choose the ones that do and don't apply. And in this case, the correct, maybe not correct, but the advice that I got, which was sound advice at that time is not what I did and was not in my best interest. But from their perspective, they were being a good coach and a good mentor and, and doing what they uh, should have done is talk me away from a high risk move. It just so happened to have worked. So, hey, you don't, you know, they don't always go that route. But really, um, we developed this for my business to be a fix and flip uh, wholesale uh, investor in Phoenix, Arizona. And we spent the next, I want to say, three or so years uh, from the date of inception, just doing our own thing, wholesaling and fixing and flipping in Phoenix, Arizona, and had no desire, no thought, no nothing uh, about really doing much other than getting good at what we do here in Phoenix, Arizona. All the while, a few things sort of trickled in the front door. One of the phrases that I say is you can't drag, you can't, uh, what is it? You can't control what the cat drags in the front door. Uh, you know, referring to dogs and cats going out and dragging snakes and lizards inside. Sometimes the leads that come at you are just like, where did this come from? And because digital marketing, like all marketing is not a perfect science, there are just uh, some things that you can't prevent. And one of those things is leads from outside of 
your city or geo or your state. And there's, we can get into the technical reasons as to why that might be, but the easiest answer is just IP location is not a perfect science. And so here I'm sitting in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, living in Scottsdale, and I get a lead in California and then a lead in Oregon and then a lead in Florida and then a lead in Nebraska and then a lead in, you know, fill in the blank. And after a while, we just started, kept looking at those missed opportunities. Some of those leads we would attempt to process, but hey, I was busy and barely uh, keeping my head above water trying to grow a team and uh, going through truly exponential growth and doing a good job. And so I focused on what, the, what made money, which was deals and leads inside Phoenix. But I just kept seeing this larger and larger amount of out-of-state leads. And so that turned into a conversation, which is, hey, we can't prevent these things. We're paying for these leads. We can't filter them out. We don't really have the bandwidth to manage slash process them. So do we bring on somebody or do I do it, divert my focus? You know, we, we wrestled with what to do for the better part of a year. Now, keep in mind, three years ago, and, and whoever is listening, um, I know your group is called The Alliance. You know, to some of the people who are The Alliance listening, maybe it makes sense and it's easy for you to think about how to process a lead that is not in your state. But for the most part, three years ago, that was considered like very difficult and almost don't even do it. Um, that was essentially the, the, the consensus years ago because the obvious, you don't know the market. Why would you ever buy a house that's not in your state without seeing it? Or so, if you, so if you have to you know, put eyeballs on it and put, do boots on the ground, are you going to fly out there? Or are you going to hire three goofball realtors and trust that they're going to be good eyes and ears? There's just so many reasons to not do deals out of state. And so we talked ourselves out of doing those deals from out of state until it reached a tipping point where two things happened. One is the amount of leads from out of state increased such that we couldn't deny it. And number two is we eventually found uh, an acquisitions guy, his name is Mike, um, who finally cracked the out of state leads. And as a result, what I mean by that is he finally closed a couple. And it became a, a um, he, he understood what the SOP was, the standard operating procedure on how to understand out of state leads and how to correctly think about them and assume them and, and all the other things you got to do to put yourself not in harm's way, but in profit's way. And eventually he kind of cracked it. He and I worked out together for the better part of the next year. And then eventually and in 2017, we made well over six figures uh, just with out-of-state leads. So all of the while that all of that is happening in the background constantly, Kasim is uh, you know head down and focused intently on continuing to improve the deliverable of what, what it is today that is GeoFlip, which is a, a basically a bolt-on front-end digital marketing solution for wholesalers and fix-and-flip guys. So the entire three or four or five years, that's essentially the, um, uh, not, not the play-by-play, but essentially how it unfolded. And all the while that Kasim was making it better, I was also building a what we call a feedback loop, or what we sometimes refer to uh, internally as the golden ratio. And we might get into that more later, but essentially it was just a way to study the data and understand what is or isn't happening, and then to help us make an intelligent decision on how to move forward. And that that basically is the recap of the entire five years that brings you essentially today. Good stuff, man. I know that's a lot of stuff is, is, is uh, next level. So, um, Kasim, I want you to, to talk a little bit about why you guys love pay-per-click leads versus any other different type of marketing. Again, like you said, you touched on it, man. There's direct mail, there's cold calling, there's bandit signs, and there's you know other door knocking and all the driving for dollars. Why do you guys think that pay-per-click is the best form of marketing for real estate investors? 
um, I, there's, I'm going to say something really weird that I've said before, but I, I really believe this. So, so forgive me, just let me be a little self-indulgent briefly. If you think about God as a construct, 20,000 years ago, God was the entity to whom we posed all of our questions, right? People looked up in the sky and they said things like, why doesn't it rain? Why is my kid sick? Why do people die, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And in a way, and I'm not saying God doesn't exist, but the God that we created is an entity. It's the thought process we use to ask those really big questions. Well, now, flash forward however many years later, and who do we go with all of our questions? We go to Google. Google is the closest thing we have to a tangible God. And I'm not trying to be sacrilegious. I'm trying to make a point that we have the most powerful tool, so much so that I just drew an analogy to, to a deity. We have the most powerful tool available to humankind in human history. It's more powerful than a nuclear weapon. Um, it's more powerful than the pen and the sword. It's, it's the strongest thing we've ever had. It is the perfect indicator of intent because Google is personal. Imagine handing somebody your cell phone, your smartphone, and then letting them go through your browsing history. If that doesn't put a knot in your stomach, then you're not browsing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people yeah. ask. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the second half of the interview after a quick word from our sponsor. Don't go anywhere. Do you have a question you just can't seem to find the answer to? Do you need to bounce ideas off a trusted expert? Do you want suggestions on how to improve your existing business strategy and real estate investing? Or do you wish you could get advice from a real estate expert that's been there and done that? Go to gregscoaching.youcanbook.me and book a free coaching call with me today. You'll have exclusive one-on-one time to go over whatever it is you need in order to propel your business to the next level. Again, that's gregscoaching.youcanbook.me to book your free 15-minute coaching call. Imagine handing somebody your cell phone, your smartphone, and then letting them go through your browsing history. If that doesn't put a knot in your stomach, then you're not browsing. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like people ask everything they've ever thought. Google has a a stronger indication of when flus are going to break out, when there's going to be epidemics and pandemics. They know Google's partnered with suicide hotlines because when people are feeling suicidal, they go to Google first. So think about that for a moment, assume that paradigm, and then realize that's where you start finding motivation. You want to find a motivated seller, go to Google. And I'm about to drop a knowledge bomb that hopefully your team really, I, I don't know, takes to heart. You don't have to start with the explicit intent. Sell my house fast. Yeah, that's, that's a super important key phrase. But what about how do I catch up on my mortgage? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you can really start to play the game and you don't necessarily have to be there when the baby's born. You can be there when they're thinking about getting pregnant or when they just started their first date. You know, like you can go as far back as you want to because Google is such an amazing predictor of intent. And as long as you have mechanisms in place that help capture those prospects and then nurture those prospects down a logical sequence to a sale, then you're going to be positioned ahead of everybody else. I will always get the motivated prospect before anybody else, not because I'm smarter, best, or faster, or any of that. It's because I go straight to the source. And that source right now is our digital God, which is Lord Google. Sums it up pretty well for me. If I may. Yeah, I want to add some of that, if I may. Your question, I think, was something along the lines of, why do we feel that pay-per-click marketing is the best? Um, I want to uh, maybe put an asterisk next to that. 
I wouldn't necessarily say it is the best because there are certain cases, certain situations where maybe there are some alternatives or different approaches. It's also a higher budget decision. So uh, if unless you've got, you know, some thousands of dollars per month for many months in a row to prime the pump, then the pay-per-click marketing would not be the best for that investor in that scenario. I actually have a client, a newer client, who I believe he lives in Los Angeles. He's an engineer, but he's flipping, uh, and I should say wholesaling, in another city because he did some research because that's what engineers do, and they figure out and uh, voids and soft and uh, soft spots and inefficiencies, and then they exploit them because that's what smart people do, and that's exactly what he did. And he told me that his, what we call golden ratio, which is the number of dollars you spend versus the number of dollars you get back in return in a marketing method. Um, he said it was one to 12. That's unbelievably good. I mean, that I'll put that up there. We've got one client that's higher. So I don't want to say it's the best I've ever heard because we've got one client that's higher. But it's up there with the highest golden ratio I've ever heard in my entire career in Everness uh, across the entire country. Putting $1 in to direct mail and getting $12 out is what he's getting. I told him that that is off the charts good. That's an anomaly. That's amazing. And I don't know if it's because he's amazing or the geo is amazing or the lack of competition or his data research on which city to, to airdrop into and start wholesaling was just that brilliant. But whatever the answer is, is one to 12 is undeniably an amazing um, uh, return on investment. But what he's got a problem with is he can't spend more money in direct mail because every time he spends more money in direct mail, the, I guess, uh, pointing a diminishing return pops up. Uh, it, it does, the, the return starts to fall off quickly. So he's looking for a supplement, a bolt-on solution to hit those same people maybe in a different way. So in this case, I would normally have talked myself out of helping that guy because I'm not sure if we can beat a 1 to 12 because that's our tracker would say we don't do that consistently. We have done it and we'll do it some more, but it's not something that I would hang my hat on and I would shoot all my clients straight. But in this guy's case, he said, look, I don't really need you to be a 1 to 12. I hope it's better, obviously. But I just need more deal flow because I have more bandwidth, meaning time and money. So in that scenario, we couldn't have been better of an option for that guy. Okay. That's awesome. I like that. So that's kind of leading me to the next part. So, you know, obviously, we're talking, you know, a little bit next level type stuff. You know, your, your brand new wholesaler that's listening to this podcast may not be able to afford Google pay-per-click um, because I will tell you guys from firsthand knowledge, don't ever try to do this on your own. You're going to end up spending money and wasting, and then you're going to come back to me or you're going to reach out to Cosm or Greg Bilbro, and they're going to say, this shit doesn't work. And it doesn't if you don't know what you're doing. Uh, and it is very complicated. So talk to us a little bit about where you got, I mean, I obviously, you know, different markets are different, you know, different spendings, but what's the average you guys are seeing your clients spend on a, say a monthly basis in just the ad spend alone? Custom, you might know some of these numbers more. Yeah. You know, what we've done is, and this is not the right answer, by the way, there is no right answer, but what we've done is we've split up um, the cities that we're focusing on into MSAs and the line of demarcation that we've um, honestly thrown a dart at is 500,000 people. And so uh, I'm going to say that that a city that's large enough to support the spend that I'm about to refer to is 500,000 and up. Let's say 500,000 to a million. I think that you need to spend $3,000 a month at a minimum in order to be successful. Here's why: uh, PPC is a data-driven 
um, approach. It's data-driven optimization, and you need information in order to make tangible changes. I actually tell my clients for the first 90 days, they're not even paying for leads. They're paying for information. If you can't spend at least three grand with you know knowing what we know that clicks cost, you're not getting enough information optimized. This is actually a problem for smaller geographies. If you're in a, in a micro geography, it's not that we can't work with you. It's that it takes much longer to optimize. And we actually can't even spend all that money. So we might not be able to reach $3,000 a month. Let's say we're working off of $2,000 a month or $1,500 a month. You could even be in a great geography. You could be in a geography that's producing a ton of leads. It's going to take longer to conversion optimize because we're working with less data, with less information. So I'd say three grand a month spend is the absolute minimum. If that number scares you off, don't do PPC. If you're in a geo that's like, and, and pardon me for saying this, I don't mean to be disparaging, but if you're in like a big city, like a real city, you know, Phoenix, Miami, LA, then you need to be approaching the five or six number at, again, at a minimum, or, or it's just kind of not worth doing. The reason for that is, is because of how competitive it is. You have a bunch sure. of people earning money, people that don't know what they're doing, heavy handed competitors. And so you're, you're already priced out of the market. So, you know, three in a moderately sized city, um, five to six in, in, in a big city. And those are round numbers, huge caveats, tons of asterisks, but I want to give you as close to a real answer as I can. I appreciate that because I know it's a really tough question to answer talking to you guys for a while, you know, talking to other uh, people that have done paper, pay-per-click over the years. I, when I did my pay-per-click back in the day, I wasn't spending enough in Tampa, uh, did a couple deals off them, but they were, they were little, little $3,000 deals here and there. They weren't they're nothing worth writing home about. Um, so guys, let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, the ad spend a little bit more. Is there like too much money to spend? Like if you say I had $10,000 a month, is that, is there like, is it better to have that? Or, or I don't know if I'm asking the question, right. Is there too big of a budget? Yeah. So you can actually overspend a campaign. And, um, I learned that the hard way it's, it's an interesting conundrum. Um, one of the things that's funny internally is anytime we increase the budget for a client, um, in any significant degree, we all kind of laugh and say, okay, wait for the leads to drop. Uh, I can't explain to you why that happens. It's a little counterintuitive. Google doesn't reveal their algorithm. I think it has a lot to do with trust. Google bases a lot of things off of things like domain authority and, and campaign longevity. And when you start to overreach your existing bounds, uh, I feel like they kind of pull the reins a little bit to see how you're, you're going to perform and how long you can stay there because it's a blind auction and an organic ecosystem. And they don't want one person to be able to go in there and control everything. So you'll, you'll find kind of like a, a level of homeostasis where you're producing awesome leads regularly at a good cost per acquisition. And then as you increase budget, sometimes your lead cost goes up. And, and interestingly, sometimes your lead quality goes down and what ends up happening is you find out that there's, there's a bell curve, like, like anything else. And you were at the, the apex, you're at the peak of the bell curve. Now that doesn't mean don't try to expand. It means that you might need to, instead of expanding budget, you might need to do things like expand key phrases or expand geography. So, you know, expansion can be multi-tiered. You know, there's an X, a Y, and a Z axis, and you can examine all axes. And oftentimes people just focus on budget. And sometimes you can max out budget and in certain geographies, especially with something that's as linear as real estate investing, you can max out pretty quickly. So the answer is, is definitely yes. Okay, that makes sense. I kind of had a feeling that was what you were going to say, but I wasn't even sure if that would make sense because, hey, I want to spend $10,000 a month. Well, you may not even be able to spend that in the first place, and depending on your market, like you said earlier. Yeah, it's, you know, it's just how many people are searching. And that's the other really interesting thing is when a market turns, here's what I, I, and I think this is absolutely true. I think that we know we know real estate trends before anybody else. Because again, Google being the best predictive indicator in the world, when a market turns and people stop searching, I see a drop in our impression share. 
And then what's really fun is like two or three months later, now all of a sudden the news organizations start reporting like, oh, no, it's a seller's market or, you know, this shift has taken place. We see that first. Now, we're all, not always able to explain exactly why it's happening or what we see, but PPC is nice because in addition to the leads, you're also getting you're getting data and information before any of your competitors are getting that data and information. So you could have been spending six grand because you're getting a ton of impressions. And then all of a sudden you find out that your budget's getting tapped out or, and this has happened to us too, your junk dupe and Greg can explain what that means, but you start getting a bunch of crap leads and there's like wholesalers trying to dump property. And what ends up happening there is the market gets so soft that wholesalers get desperate and the leads that you're getting aren't sellers because it's a seller's market. There are other people that have been stuck in property. They're now trying to dump it. So the, the downside of PPC, which we should bring up and talk about too, is that I can't control who searches for your key phrases. Um, I can just make sure you're in, in front of that person. If, you're, if the market is you know, turned upside down and, and it's not a place where we're going to find a ton of motivation or equity, well, those are the leads that you're going to get. Fantastic. I love that because it's absolutely true because I even saw that not too long ago. It's where I started getting a bunch of, um, even just on organic SEO, I started getting a whole bunch of wholesalers filling out forms on our website saying, hey, I'm, I need to offload this property. And because we, we saw a slight, a slight shift in our market here to where all of a sudden now there's a little bit more inventory available and they aren't selling as fast as they used to. I mean, they're still flying off the shelves, don't get me wrong. But instead of them like two weeks in the market, we're at 30 days. So just even that little shift, I've, I've noticed that too. So that's pretty cool. Let me ask a question about what you just said. Are you seeing, and I know this is not me interviewing you, but you just said something. Are you seeing a little bit of a, a drop or a something that is uh, anomalous on the horizon in your marketplace with regard to just, you know, strength of the real estate market? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I, I think here in Tampa, at least, um, I see that prices are still going up. Inventory is going up just a slight amount. And we've been having discussions internally and externally with some of our, uh, we have some friendly competition in the, in the area and we talk shop all the time and I own a RIA. So I hear from a lot of people that we feel like there is definitely the correction coming sooner rather than later. And, you know, I can't say that that's definitely the indicators uh, with 100% certainty, but it sure looks like we're hitting that part of like 2007 where we could be seeing a correction. Again, I'm not. I'm not trying to predict with a crystal ball here, but I think that that's it's starting to shift that way. Yeah, me too. I'm seeing some stuff, and I, I don't even know if I can say what it is that I'm seeing exactly. specifically. But there's just some things that are different now than maybe six and twelve months ago. I'm starting to see something for sure. Well, in certain geographies too, are acting really like like some things are just on fire, and then you have transitions in other geos, and it's it's kind of. I, I don't know that it's it's you know, similar across the board. It, it, just, it doesn't seem to be like a general trend. It's kind of like a, it feels quaky, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And others. And it's just like everything else. It's just, it, it's it, everything in different areas goes in cycles at different stages too. Right. So you just never know when it's going to happen. I mean, shit, that just could have been an anomaly for the last three to six months. Then all of a sudden next month, it's going to skyrocket. And you never know what, you know, I think a little bit has to do with, we know the interest rates are rising and stuff like that. But we don't have a whole lot of time left, guys. So we got to blow through this stuff a little bit more. Um, I remember that damn question. It was a good one, too. Um, it'll come to me at some point. About that, Greg, I wanted to comment on what you said about the geographies being different. We, we discovered something that I think is just, it was amazing. I nerded out on it. And I think your, your, uh, your collective could, could um, really benefit from it. What are we calling it? I'm sorry, the assembly? Alliance. 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 Thank you. Sorry, I'm a jerk. Okay, so 
Core of the Alliance, here's what we found out, is not all campaigns function the exact same way in every geography. For instance, we ran a campaign in, uh, on the, in a city in the East Coast, and what we found was for our, our Phoenix campaign, the vast majority of our leads came in through the landing page, which means they clicked on the ad, they landed on the page that we wanted them to land on, and then they filled out the form or called us or chatted. With East Coast clients, they clicked on the page, they clicked on the ad, they went to the page that we wanted them to land on, and then they looped back around to the main URL, and that's where they converted. Now, I can't tell you exactly why that is, but anecdotally, I think it's because people from the East Coast don't trust as easily as people from the West Coast do. <laughs> and they were, they were researching further the organization before they were ready to convert. That's something that only PPC could tell you, and only PPC coming from an agency that runs PPC in multiple markets. So that's the type of like, micro-task that you need to be aware of in every single geography you're in. Different words, phrases, uh, ways of searching, you know, uh, uh, timing, browsing capabilities, that type of thing, they're all so important. And every new city and every new market brings its own specific nuance. And so we're constantly learning those things all the time. Fantastic. Uh, I remember what my question was now. So guys, you're, well, obviously we're pretty much running these ads to the cash and quick close wholesale type deals where it's investors, right? Are you guys running anything towards realtors at all or something along the lines of like, lease options or creative financing, stuff like that. Are you running ads or funnels in that direction as well? Um, I'll take this one, Koss. So no, we are specialists. Okay. And I want to touch on that real quick. I think, and I'd love for somebody to either A, think this through, who's smarter than myself, or challenge me on this. But I think that there's a change that I would like to say that everybody who's listening needs to really listen to these words and think it through because I've found nobody who's saying what I'm about ready to say. And I think once you hear it, it should ring really nicely in everybody's ears, which is the following. If you're going to go into digital marketing uh, to get motivated seller leads for your business, don't do it yourself. It's just like doing surgery on yourself. It's mm -hmm. Point number two, if you're going to go find a vendor who does digital marketing, for motivated seller leads, then go find a specialist. The analogy here is if you have a heart attack, you do not hire a brain surgeon. Another good example is that if you have, you know, like too much fun one night and too many drinks at the Christmas party and you get uh, in trouble for a DUI, you don't go hire an attorney that does patent law to help you with that DUI case. In other words, specialists. I firmly believe, and I'm, I'm super excited if somebody wants to challenge me on this because we've got the data to support the argument. I have found almost nobody throughout the nation who's capable of consistently delivering an effective cost per lead and cost per deal um, at all, just at all. Okay, so just in general. But the closest version I can come to finding some data that would support what I just said is only if it is a specialist, meaning a firm or group or person who generates motivated seller leads for real estate investors who wholesale and fix and flip and nothing else. So the days of the generalists, in my opinion, are behind us. And with regard to this particular niche that we're talking about, which is a niche with inside of a niche in and of itself, um, I really do think that it's important for whoever it is to categorically dismiss any vendor or option unless they have a proven track record of delivering motivated seller leads for the wholesale investor and nothing else. And to quickly answer your other question, no, we don't generate leads for uh, realtors or anybody else. No doctors, dentists, plumbers, lawyers. I mean, none of that stuff. We are a one trick pony. Uh, and truly, I think a specialist in a, or a sniper, if you will, 
in that regard. And the reason why is I'm not saying it's because we're the best or we, you know, it's the only way to, it's because it's the only thing we've found that works. I mean, Kasim is a generalist with his digital marketing agency and he's really good at what he does for his big, um, huge book of business that he's owned in his company for over 10 years. But this was a whole nother animal uh, or an alligator that he and I had to wrestle with for a long time. So not only did I have a digital marketing expert, um, you know, connected to the hip, but we also spent the better part of a year and a lot of money and still just barely got to an effective return on investment. So I really want to encourage everybody, if you're going to make this decision, make sure you spend enough, make sure you do it for a long enough period of time, uh, like 90 days or more, and make sure that you work with a specialist because it is definitely not about keywords and it is definitely not about which uh, ad groups. I mean, those are important, but that's just a few percentage points of the overall uh, mechanism that you need to deliver a predictable return on investment. And usually specialists have those things built or they understand those nuances. Fantastic answer. Well, guys, we're basically out of time. Tell me what your website is and uh, we'll get you out of, the, out of here, guys. Geoflip, G-E-O-F-L-I-P. It's geoflip.com. And you can go there. And in the upper right-hand corner, if you guys are interested, the upper right-hand corner, just click the button, see if you qualify. And that'll give you, uh, that'll give you an opportunity provide some information and immediately we'll call you back and uh, work through it. See if we can help. Fantastic guys. Thank you guys so much for coming on the show today. Mr. Simpson, you rock dude. I appreciate it. Thanks Greg. Appreciate you. You've just listened to another flipping real estate, like the pros podcast. We'd like to thank you for putting your trust in us to be your guide in this exciting venture called real estate investing. If you want us to expand on a topic you heard here today, or you have a new question of your own, Head on over to gregscoaching.youcanbook.me for a free 15-minute coaching call, or you can leave your question in our Facebook group, which is linked in the show notes. And as always, if you enjoyed this podcast, head on over to iTunes to review, rate, and subscribe to the show. Be sure to strengthen your own alliance by sharing this podcast. Tune in next week for another expert interview or a great topic. Till then, catch you on the flip side, Alliance.